So this morning, let's go to Acts chapter 19, and we'll pick up in verses 1 through 7 again. And we talked heavily about uh, the beginning last week about what, where Paul was on his third missionary journey now. But he encounters a very interesting situation here. In Acts chapter 19, verse 1, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, and he, he puts this in a form of a question, of course, have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. We see that Paul leaves Corinth. His first major stop was Ephesus, then on to Jerusalem, and Syria, and Phrygia. And we see all throughout the regions, Paul going out and he's spreading the gospel. We see that these words are being written, and 60% of the New Testament is basically Paul's writing from these areas and these letters to these churches, and how he loved the Lord. And we see that these disciples, he comes, he comes back to Ephesus, he catches up with Priscilla and Aquila. There's Apollos now is in Corinth, and he's talking to the people. He's talking to the churches. And there he comes upon a, a kind of like a kind of like a wall in a, in a sense as to what's going on here. What are these people are only talking about the baptism of John? They have no idea about the Holy Spirit. Paul shows these students at Ephesus. He has showed, as he showed Apollos, and he, and he prayed, and he was with Priscilla and Aquila. He confers, he speaks of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He talks about the extraordinary gifts of the Holy Ghost, which were conferred upon the apostles and the disciples and the students that were presently after the ascension of Christ. And we still enjoy that age of the direction of the Holy Spirit, where we saw in the Old Testament that Jehovah himself directed the prophets audibly. We can see that on Mount Sinai with Moses and how he spoke to Gideon, how he spoke to the prophets of old and how he talked audibly to them. And then here we see also how then Christ descends from heaven. He comes down to this earth and he is directed by the Holy Spirit, preaching, teaching, and, and, and performing miracles. He ascends on the right hand of the Father and he left us with the Holy Spirit of God. What a wonderful gift. I'd like to ask um, Acts 2.32 and 33. Uh, could someone look that up and be prepared to read that here? We see how Acts chapter 2 is so important to go back to that as we see really the truth of what in our Christian life applies and how the Holy Spirit applies to us and how important it is. Acts chapter 2 verses 32 and 33, whoever has that here. Thank you. Excellent. So what's the problem? 
Like we spoke last week, I hope that you all had a chance to read some of this this week and prepare for the adult Sunday school class and learn some of this because you're going to learn things that are incredibly important. What's going on here? What's the problem? What's the problem? Let's read verse Let's read verse 2, or no, let's read verse 3 real quick. And Paul, and he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. And they stopped there. What's the problem with this? Right. John's baptism. Why were they just stopping at John's baptism? And have you ever seen anything like this when you've ever talked to anyone about the gospel of Jesus Christ or you've heard or you've maybe watched something or you maybe somehow encountered that there are some people that talk about believing in Jesus and that's as far as it goes. But they don't get in anything real deep. It just stops, I believe, in, I believe on Jesus. And that's about all you hear. What, what was the problem here? Anybody have any ideas at all or just... To say, you know, maybe, you know, what was what what was going on here? And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? Well, maybe what maybe I shouldn't word it like that. Maybe it's not such a problem after all. We here these disciples, as far as their knowledge went of Christianity, was that they had heard about John the Baptist. Now I think that's important, and what we didn't get to talk about last week, because we had some excellent correspondence last week, and I hope we have it this week, is there was still a great understanding and a very big respect for John the Baptist. Lisey. Right. 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 Amen. The question is, did... Those that claim to believe in the baptism of John, and they didn't get as far as even mentioning the Holy Spirit, did they have the gospel of John in their hand yet? Did they have it? Did they have the writings of John in their hands yet? Probably not. They had the Old Testament. And so at this point, they are in what we go through Definitely not the stages of the seven sacraments and our walk on this earth when it comes to spirituality. They were in the process of sanctification and they were learning about what this doctrine was of Jesus Christ. I love that. I love the fact that they were, they were just like trying to be like sponges and absorbing these words and absorbing what was going on here. And Paul thanked the Lord where Paul says, how can they hear later on without a preacher? He's the one that comes back to them and has the love in his heart, obviously getting paid nothing. getting His expenses were probably very expensive, and he took care of a lot of them themselves, and he had help. And he goes back from his heart, and he explains to them what's going on here. You just got to love that. Brother Jared. Right, right. Right.
right? That's right. That's a great point. You said, you said two things in, in your point there that are very important. You, you bring Paul, you bring up Peter. Paul was quoting those very words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 to 32. Peter went back to Joel chapter 2 when he spoke about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look how they went back to Scripture. Look how Paul, he goes back to the Old Testament. He goes back and he shows, I've heard this question asked many times. We know about God. We know about Jah. We know about Jehovah. We've heard about some of the Messianic prophecies, but we don't find the Holy Spirit anywhere in the Old Testament. Is that true? Could it be possible that the inspiration of God the Father himself would leave out the third person of the Trinity in the Old Testament? That's not possible. That's a great point Brother Jerry, man, Gerald made because Paul was arguing and he spent a lot of his time arguing and he comes back and he says, just like when he was at Mars Hill and he was, he was debating the Greek philosophers, he comes in 1 Corinthians and he says, he says, where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the wisdom of this world? And basically he's saying, without Jesus Christ, it's bankrupt. And here he has a wonderful opportunity to encourage these people in, in the Holy Spirit. Remember our study over the past summer in the Sunday school class on the canonization of Scripture over, over these last months in the summer. We, when we learned, we depend upon the canon of the New Testament that has long since been completed, ratified, consecrated by God Himself through divine inspiration. We depend on this to be the only true and sure word of prophecy and so must these disciples that Paul is mentoring. And that's exactly what Paul does. So Paul, the apostle, comes back to Ephesus as he promised. And what happens here is at this coming, he encounters these disciples who they profess faith, faith in John's baptism. And so we see the work of John the Baptist. And even Herod himself thought Jesus Christ was John the Baptist. John the Baptist had quite a presence, even to the Pharisees. They respected him, and his name was brought up many, many times. But you've got to stretch that. If you're going to get to the Holy Ghost, you go to John 1. What did John say? What did he say? I must decrease. God must increase. He says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. The flesh dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. He didn't say, behold my glory. And they believed in John, the baptism of John. But the baptism of John, what that was, was a work of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. And John, even Christ, he told John, he said, you, I, want, he said I want you to baptize me in John 1. And, and, and John said, not so, Lord. I can't do that. You should be baptizing me. And he said, he said, you do it, and you baptize me, and then the Holy Spirit descended as a dove, and he saw that. Isn't that incredible? Well, Pastor. You know, we mentioned this last week, and we'll reiterate it again, is that, you know, he must increase, I must decrease. The thing is, you 
draw attention to himself. Right. That's a good point. And think about the ministry of John. He stayed out in the wilderness. What did he have? They said he, had, he dressed in loincloth. He ate locusts and honey. He wouldn't go to feasts. He wouldn't go to parties. He stayed out there and he, he did the work. And it was a tough job that he had, but he loved it. Lisey. Right. Right. Well, I think a lot of that's a great point. And when a lot of these churches, when the pastors or the or or, or the polity or, or the leaders of the churches, when they can grasp the people's emotions, make them feel good, and know they can profit from them, you can see they can make immense immense fortunes. They can make big fortunes. There's a big long list of some of the most richest so-called pastors. You can actually look it up. And Paula White has two Gulfstream jets. Keith, what's his name? Uh, no, Kenneth Copeland. He has one, a Gulfstream, Gulfstream jet. I mean, they make Creflo Dollar. I'm sure that was his birth name. He's made a lot of, down in Georgia, he's made a fortune off of people. I mean, and that's just the beginning. And when, when, when you can take the Word of God, and you can put it like uh, today's Reformation Sunday, you could take like Martin Luther said, a wax nose and make that nose fit that face any way you want. It's amazing what you can accomplish financially. So Paul the Apostle comes back to, to, to Ephesus, and here he is. And Paul is saying, you understand John's preaching baptism, but he also preaches Christ. And this is about where we left off last week. I got through a couple pages of notes, and we had some great correspondence last week. But, what, but there were three items we, wanted, we were going to touch on today, and we left off. And what, what was our main discussion last week was about the differentiation of the Holy Spirit and what it really is. And it brought up a lot of good discussion because today I believe that there's so much confusion over who and what the Holy Spirit is. Look at all the horrible things that have come out with people taking the Holy Spirit, and, it, and it's transferred into a lot of wicked demonic worship. John 1, 31 to 33, could someone look that one up? John chapter 1, verses 31 to 33, and we'll expound on, basically we were just talking about John the Baptist. We need to read the scriptures on this. This brings up the teaching of Paul to these disciples. He's tying in John's baptism with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's John chapter 1, verses actually 31 to 34. Whoever has that, if you could read that. Hmm. Powerful words there. Even John the Baptist said himself, I bear record unequivocally that this is the Son of God. And then you go back to the end of the book of John, 
and it says that these things are written so you may know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That you may know this. Undeniable, undeniable proofs. Perfect proofs that Jesus is who He said is. And if you, if you had a court case or a trial and you brought up all the evidence that's given just in the book of John itself, the witnesses, the works of Christ, how could you ever question who He is? Well, I can tell you how people can question who he is. They know that all he, I, you talk to a lot of people, they know so much about Jesus, but you ask them, have you read his word? No, I talked to one guy, he, 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 he swore he knew all about it. He said, well, I have a Bible on my desk, and on the way out every morning I put my hand on it. He puts his hand on it. I said, well, why don't you try taking your hand and opening it? I did say that to him. I think that, you know, I, that's ridiculous. But this brings up three primary applications of the Holy Spirit and what Paul is endeavoring to teach these disciples. We started last week, conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts us. You know when you sin, you know you've done something wrong. Where does that come from? Not just your understanding in this. The Holy Spirit convicts you of what is wrong and shows you. What is that urge inside of us when we became Christians to put away our sin, to detest it and follow the righteousness of our Savior? And we remember David after his great sin at the castle. Psalm 51.9, David comes back and look at the conviction the Holy Spirit gives him of his sin, knowing what he had done against the Lord. He loved the Lord and he fell. And all of us are capable of doing this. We're all capable of falling at some point. But it's the Holy Spirit that brings us back. Psalm 51, 9, we read, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Is the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament or not? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Right there. There it is. There's one out of many, 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 many verses that talk about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. We can see the understanding that Paul's trying to give the disciples is to expand what he had done with Apollos, what he had done with Priscilla and Aquila, what they had talked about, and it was eloquently taught by Paul. Here they might have the way of God expounded to them more perfectly, and now Paul is planting. Apollos is in Corinth, he's watering, and we will see again how always God must give the increase. Look at some wonderful quotes about the Holy Spirit convicting us. I have three really good quotes here. One, actually, the third was in the form of some questions. Number one, prayer is a sincere, sensible, affectionate pouring out of the soul to God through Christ in the strength and assistance of the Spirit for such things as God had promised. This is a promise of the Lord. Pastor Olson spoke very, very eloquently last week about nuclear weapons and our power of prayer. Pray without ceasing. Where does that come from and where are we led when we're praying? It's the Holy Spirit that leads us. That was a quote from John Bunyan. The second one here. The true spirit of prayer is no other than God's own spirit dwelling in the hearts of the saints. And as the Spirit comes from God, so doth it naturally tend to God in holy breathings and pantings. It naturally leads to God to converse with Him by prayer. That's a quote from Jonathan Edwards. And here's a couple of questions that Matthew Henry brings up. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you had the seal of the truth of Christ's doctrine in yourself? That's... Uh, that's, that's a wonderful, I believe a wonderful 
um, um, interpretation of the work of the Holy Spirit, Matthew Henry says that it's the seal of the truth of Christ's doctrine in you. See how important this is? Here we'll see Paul examines these disciples. He asked, have you received the Holy Ghost? Their reply is, we have no such knowledge at all. We've never heard these things. Why do you think they had never heard these things to this point? Anyone? How, why had they not heard this? You had Hellenistic Jews out there that had some kind of representation of some kind of God. You had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You had the Greek, Greek, Greek-speaking Jews that are the Hellenistic ones. You have the Greeks. All these religions. All these pious people that had feasts and they had all of these things that they did. Why is it that in an age of real solid religiosity, we have no question, we have no understanding of the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Brother Jerry. And then, and then Pastor. Right. 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 So we have to consider that they don't get it because God has chosen for them not to get it. Right. And what's really, really interesting about this spirit thing between and, and the baptism thing, right in the middle uh, of John's gospel, Jesus makes the statement that he came to save the world. Mm. Right. And then starts talking to them about what he's going to do. You know, but the testimony is is interesting because he makes a statement, whoever believes in me believes in him who sent me. Whoever mm. sees me sees the one who sent me. So he's linking himself with God the Father. Right. Which makes sense when you go back to Peter's sermon after Pentecost mm. when he invokes the Old Testament prophets and says, God himself declares that he will send his we're talking about the triune God in three different persons. Right. And, and in one. All three in one. All three in one. Right. The, right. The wonderful thing about Jesus is though, even though he is God, he's man, he always gives testimony to the Father. 
Oh, Amen. That's a good point. He doesn't take right. He points to the and points to God's Amen. John 10.30, that's what got him in big trouble. Six words. I and my Father are one. That was a big one. That's a great point. Pastor. Right. Amen. Here a little, there a little, right? That's that's great, and that brings up the uh, the point. I, I that 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 leads right in. Paul's patience. He could have he could have pounded on them. He could have said, "I'm not messing with you. You don't know all this by now." And he could have just went back and said, you don't know it now, you're never going to know it. But he patiently went to them. And they're going from conviction to the next level's conversion. This is their level of conversion. This is a process. Why is it that Christians beat up on each other so much when one person may not know as much as another person? I've seen that many, many times. Oh, they don't understand this? They're never going to understand this. Well, why, why mess with them? And then you wind up getting all these weird, uh, weird emails or weird papers and, and handed to you saying, well, why don't you know this? Why don't you know this? Some people, it takes time. Pastor Olson said many times, Pastor Coleman, many times, he says it's how the Lord connects the dots. And here, Paul was connecting the dots in their minds. They were getting ready to learn something new. Aren't we getting ready to learn something new every week when we come here? This is an adult Sunday school class. This is not an elementary Sunday school class. Some of these things are deep. And the reason that I'm trying to stay here is as in our Christian walk, it's so important for us to understand where the Holy Spirit fits in our walk. It's, it's vital, and it should be something that we just love with everything we have. It should be more valuable than anything to us. We see how the Holy Spirit directs our prayers. The Holy Spirit directs our understanding. And Scripture convicts us. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins. The Holy Spirit keeps us from false demonic influences, which are everywhere. Can someone look up Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12 and read them boldly? Very important. Here we see a look at how the sad satanic influences that are out there that direct people away from the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6, 11, and 12, anyone? Who has that? Ephesians 6, 11, and 12. Perfect. Thank you, Mrs. Zira. Look at this. Paul warns that there are Weird things that are out there that we can't see. That there, as much as we have, a, we have a wonderful Holy Spirit to protect us, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ and you have not been sucked into these horrible spiritual demonic forces, you thank the Lord because it's only because of Him. If you, I was listening, to, again, I've listened to it many, many times, and I love to go back to that. 
And it's always around this time of year because it's just kind of, you got kind of feeling that way. I guess you shouldn't, because we should be more thinking than feeling. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. It was, it, it, it was dictated by Max McLean in a Shakespearean with the D's and the thou's and the English. And over and over, Jonathan Edwards says, the only reason that those that have rejected Christ are not burning in hell right now is because of God's perfect providence holding you up like a spider over a candle. And the only reason you haven't fallen and burned forever is because of His perfect providence. And every scheme and everything that man has ever come up with to try to evade that providence of God has all fallen by its own weight. Every bit of it. And that's exactly what can happen to us if we're led away. What happened yesterday? Anybody see in the news? Nobody saw what happened yesterday? 153 people were trampled at a Halloween festival in Seoul, South Korea. The president today, right now, is walking the streets. Most of them were 20-year-old women. And they were trampled to death at a Halloween festival, and they were crushed. They've been peeling bodies off of the, off of the, off of the streets and in, in the alleys all last night. It, was either, it either happened yesterday morning or maybe Friday evening. But it's 153 young people, most of them, some of them were from America, to go celebrate the Day of the Dead, the Halloween parties. And they were 153 of them are dead, young people. What's happening this week? A friend of uh, my wife and I was from Ecuador, and she had given us a complete run-through and exactly what happens with the Day of the Dead and some of the other, uh, the other days that come around this time of the year, and she had told us all about it. October 31 through 11, 11 2nd. Now, it's different now, but it used to be before the, the pre-Spanish era with the Aztecs, they celebrated the Day of the Dead for one solid month. And when Lisa and I, we spoke to this friend, I remember her telling us it's called Spanish Day, Spanish Dia de los Muertos, or the Day of the Dead. It's a holiday in Mexico. It was observed, also observed to a lesser extent in other areas of Latin America and in the United States, honoring dead loved ones and making peace with the eventuality of death by treating it with familiarity, without fear and dread. The holiday derived from the rituals of the pre-Hispanic people of Mexico, led by the goddess, and I'm going to try to pronounce this, Mictecachihuatl, known as the Lady of the Dead. That is who they celebrate, the Lady of the Dead. Then there's All Saints Day, or called All Hallows Day. Halomas, or the Feast of All Saints in the Christian Church, a day commemorating all the saints of the church, both known and unknown, who have attained heaven attained heaven and it what it means here it might not sound so bad at the beginning saying that we're just kind of thinking of the martyrs but this holiday is for those that attained heaven on their own by their own devices they say and all saints day is a day of of worshiping them or remembering them and if you know anything about catholic rituals the popes that are living today pray to the dead popes they pray to them that's how they worship them they do believe that they can do that. This is All Saints Day, commemorating the saints of the church, both known and unknown, who have attained heaven from Catholic origins. Even the dead popes are prayed to and honored for their self-appointed attainment of heaven. And here's another big one here, All Souls Day. Now, that's coming up this week. 
In Roman Catholicism, a day for commemoration of all the faithful departed, those baptized Christians, Christians who are believed to be in purgatory because they died with the guilt of lesser sins on their souls. It's observed on November the 2nd. Roman Catholic doctrine holds that prayers of the faithful on earth will help cleanse these souls in order to fit them for the vision of God in heaven, and the day is dedicated to prayer and remembrance. Are you glad you're a Christian? <laughs> I mean, what happened in Seoul yesterday, 153 people honoring, these, honoring this All Hallows Day were trampled to death. And most of them were very young. But you can talk about all these things. I know Halloween's been a big thing here in America. I loved it when I was a kid. I had the market cornered on the best houses with the best candy. I had a little Charlie Brown uniform, and you know you had to line your nostrils up with the holes in those plastic things you shovel in your face, and you're sitting there, you can't even breathe, and you're sitting there trying to get your candy, and I had a plastic pumpkin, and it would fill up, and all of a sudden, Dad came in one day, and he found out that Halloween was a demonic holiday, and he stopped it. That was a dark day of my life. <laughs> oh, I had, the, I, had, I had enough candy, I mean, I loved it. And that was it. He tried to do that with Christmas, but Mom kind of bucked him on that. We kind of had Christmas on and off every other year. But, uh, but Halloween, was that, one, that one was totally cut out when we were about eight years old. But, I, it's a biz, but you see how it creeps in and how people love this kind of stuff? Halloween's fun. You dress up like your favorite character. You go party. You get all kind of... Can- but look what kind of stuff can happen. What does the Lord say about this? Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 to 13. What does the Lord say about this this kind of worship with powers and principalities of powers? Deuteronomy 18, 9. And by the way, before I read this, the Old Testament is not abrogated. It's not ancient. It's not old. And it's not thrown out. This is, the Lord regards this the same today as he did then. Let me read this real quick. I'm sorry. Did you ever hand up, Pastor? Right. But I think there's a good opportunity when the kids come to the door. It's a good opportunity to give them track candy and uh and they're very uh, happy to get the track. They they think it's Right now, candy, they have it drugged. They, have, they used to put razor blades and apples back when I was a kid. And all you hand them a track, that's actually safe. Well, what do we read? That's a good point. What do we read here in Scripture about all of these holidays and all this stuff coming up? When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God." And you know, I love how that last statement comes out in Deuteronomy. Thou shalt be perfect before the Lord thy God. Does that mean that any of us can become perfect on our own? 
we could just be perfect? What did it mean in, in Genesis chapter 6 that Moses was perfect in his generations? What did it mean that Job was perfect with his family and he walked with God? It didn't mean that in and of themselves they had reached some kind of level of perfection. Like some out there, actually, there are some neo-Pentecostals who call themselves sinless perfect. What it meant is that their worship was perfect. It meant is they trusted in the Lord and they were striving for perfection through the gospel of Jesus Christ, not through man's ways. And I think that's what Paul is trying to deliver here to the disciples. He's telling them, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need to understand the works of the Holy Spirit because as Christians, if you think things were ever easy in your life, you become a Christian. Where do you see what happens when you become a Christian? He probably threw his robe up and said, look at my back, you know, with all the lashes and all. And, and, and what, what can happen? And, you, and we need the Holy Spirit. We, we, we need to know that and understand that. That's conviction. Conversion. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins and then converts us to get away from our sins. Here David desired not only for the Holy Spirit to protect him, but to convert others through salvation. I believe that all the horrible things that happened with David in 2 Samuel chapter 12, when he goes back to that horrible situation with Bathsheba, seven penitential psalms are written. We have Psalm, we have psalm um, 8, no, Psalm 6, Psalm 32, Psalm 51, and there are others. And Paul comes back, I mean, I mean David comes back, and he cries out to the Lord with all that had gone wrong. Everything had fallen apart in his life. He had one chief passion on his heart, and I believe this is it. He says in Psalm 51, 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He said, there's joy in this salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. He wanted to be able to witness again with a clean heart, even after what he did. Is that possible after horrible sin? Well, David just proved it is. I don't know that any of us will achieve the degrees of sin. I don't know. We all are sinners, and we're all guilty of every command. But some of the things he did were pretty horrible. I don't know if we're ever going to experience doing what Paul did when he was a Pharisee, going out and killing Christians and dragging the rest of them in and putting them in jail. I don't know that we're ever going to go. But all of these things the Lord can forgive. Paul is opening up about these extraordinary gifts, you know, the Holy Ghost, that were conferred upon the apostles and other disciples presently after the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see, we see here that, as, as brother, brother Gerald, he told us earlier about Peter and his response in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Could someone look up Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and read that, please? Acts 2, 30. We're going to have to stop here soon. Acts 2, 38. You see here Peter's response to what they should do and what he's preaching here. And this is Pentecost. Acts 2, verse 38. Whoever has that there? There's no... Acts 2, 38? I hope there is. There was <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Thanks, Faith. Thank you, Miss Sear. That... That's very important because what John the Baptist preached was repentance. They knew about repentance. These disciples knew about the baptism of John the Baptist, and he was the one that preached, 
Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the axe is laid at the root of the tree. These were the very first words that Christ himself preached. Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, we read, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, 17, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peter's message as we just, as Messiah just read, and if you read his message, is not a self-help. It's not man-centered. It's not a 12-step plan or a prosperity drive. He goes right to their sin. Where do you hear that anymore? We see, in order for conviction from the Holy Spirit, conversion cannot come without the shedding of blood and the remission of sins. And only Christ could do that. We can't attain our own salvation on our own. Only Christ could give us that through His blood. And Peter, most wonderfully, he gives gives the remedy that he knew all too well, especially walking with Christ, that the problem that we have is sin. And the conversion comes from the power of the Holy Spirit through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's Christ's endless forgiveness. Look at Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 16. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. Repentance is the lifeline that Peter was throwing at them. We go back to, go back to Pentecost. You can see the difference and that's what we're going, to, we're going to have to stop here. If I start here, we're going to be here for a while because it's, go, it's leading into the next part. When they got saved, they go through conversion. Next week, we'll talk about the third C is comfort. What happens when they're converted? Did they turn around and tell Paul that he was a liar, that they don't believe that? I think what happens with a lot of people today is they're totally confused at what they've heard. They don't know what to believe. When you speak of Scripture... You can, you can honestly speak with real authority and you can, you can speak to people and you can say to them of a truth. There's no doubt about what I'm telling you about from the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ because you have words, you have God's word to back you up. We talk about the comfort that the Holy Spirit brings. We're going to see next week, these disciples are just, they're comforted and what do they do? They start speaking in tongues. So what kind of tongues did they speak in? We're going to connect that, and we're going to go back to Acts 2 some, and that's where we're going to go. So let's finish with prayer. I ask Pastor Olson, could you close us this morning? Thank you.